how the Countess married Frederick March. And both of those things. I just want to point out. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. It's James Patrick March. Frederick March is the like silent actor. Oh my god! Sorry. <laughs> I see what I did there. <laughs> I mean, probably partial inspiration, maybe. And I'm Clarice Lockery. And this is the next Supreme Set American Horror Story Rewatch podcast. Today's episode, both of our favorite episode ever of American Horror Story (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's called Flickr and was written by bless her forever Crystal Liu who by the way I went into a little uh, deep dive on Crystal only her second episode full episode she ever wrote on American Horror Story she'd been a staff writer for for a while and her first one was Test of Strength on Freak Show so she loves Finn just as we do Thank you for your service. <laughs> Thank you very much, friend. <laughs> Thank um, you, Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> and was directed by Michael Goy, who's been directing American Horror Story episodes since the very first season, and is the director of Megan is Missing, which we pointed out several times, which is a really scary film that went viral on TikTok. We also appreciate you, Michael. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So uh, there's, I, I think there's mainly two things about this episode. Well, there's a third one. There's something about John. Who cares? We'll get to it maybe at the end. Um, <laughs> no, I feel like that's going to over with very quickly. Uh, uh, do you want to get into what happens with John? <laughs> Checks himself into a hospital uh, because he heard that there's like the killer or a killer. That I wasn't really paying attention to be honest. <laughs> I always block this part of the episode out. And then he goes to try and find the killer and he distracts the guard by just falling over, which I think is quite <laughs> quite um not elegant, effective though. <laughs> Breaks in, oh my god, it's the little teen girl, Kirsten Dunst in Interview with the Vampire Vampire. Uh and she's saying a bunch of weird cryptic stuff. And then he breaks her out and she says, you know what? I'm, I'm real tired of being a vampire and walks into traffic. <laughs> That's the end of that. <laughs> so, she says, I'm noping myself out of this because I could tell when I'm not welcome in a narrative, there's other <laughs> stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> so John continues to be boring. Uh, okay, good. I, same as you. I had literally... I remember so much about this episode, everything, except the storyline with John, because I don't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Done. We've covered it. We're not discussing this anymore. (laughs) Forget about John. Mainly in this episode, we learned two things. What was behind the sealed door at the Hotel Cortez? And why the Countess got married to James Patrick March? And the answer to both of those things is... Silent film stars Rudolph Valentino and Natasha Rombova, who are vampires 
that were in a throuple with the Countess when she was human and have been imprisoned in the Hotel Cortez for close to 100 years? Can I just say, <laughs> yes. when I saw this episode for the first time, I screamed. And I'm not doing this as a comic bit or exaggeration. I yelled <laughs> very loudly uh, when the, the moment of reveal of just the audacity, yes. admirable audacity to go, we're going to do a bit of historical rewriting, but specifically to make Rudolph Valentino <laughs> a vampire. Because why the fuck not? So I wanted to ask you about this, Clarice. Where were you in 2015 when this series was airing? When you screamed when they when they showed this rewriting of history? <laughs> well, I I don't because I think I started American Horror Story after the season had aired. Mm-hmm, potentially, mm-hmm. I think I'm trying to remember when exactly I started watching it. Um, but I don't think I was watching it live. But I was in my flat and I remember it was very late at night because then afterwards I was like, oh my God, somebody just thinks I've been murdered probably. Let me check. No one phoned the police. (laughs) But yeah, I was just alone with my laptop in the dark. The reason I ask is because I remember distinctly I was already living in in London and I remember screaming when this came up. And just, I think I watched this with my then boyfriend and I just grabbed him (laughs) because, and I don't get to talk about this very often. We've spoken about this. We've bonded over this. I fucking love Rudy Valentino so much. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like, look, to people listening, I've been made aware that there's people listening who don't really like American Horror Story. So I'm going to try and and just explain this to this is our, you, that scene in the Spider-Man movie where, <laughs> this is our version of that. <laughs> this is our MCU. The, I, yes. mean, I love the MCU dearly, but like, does the MCU have vampires and silent Hollywood, like, sexually fluid film stars? No, it does not. Exactly. Like, this is such an intense version of here's that thing you like, because it's here's that person you like, Rudolph Valentino, but this time he's the thing that you like, which is a vampire. (laughs) Listen, I don't don't understand why people aren't interested or obsessed with silent film, and especially Hollywood during the era of silent filmmaking, because those film stars fucked with a capital f that shit they were getting up to the stories of you know the the stars around the time of valentino the gods like he calls them in this episode are the best hollywood stories i've ever read it never gets boring and there's always new stuff and i love as well like you know yeah that that idea of the god the whole sort of mystique and cult that's been built up around Rudolph Valentino in the decades since. You know, these stories of young women, mm-hmm. like, committing suicide after his death because they couldn't handle, like, the idea of a world without Rudolph Valentino in it. Like, it's... You don't... When we talk about, like, the path of stardom 
Like, it, I think it reached a peak <laughs> in this period. Yeah. <laughs> because ever since, you know, the invention of sound, the actual people on screen have become less and less magical because we've been able to see uh, more human facets of them, I guess. Hmm. And I think, you know, it's it's interesting in a, in a well, in a pandemic world, a lot of the conversation last year was about kind of the, the transformation or the, the death of the celebrity in so many ways. And it's interesting to think about the silent film gods and goddesses because that mystique that is maintained and i and i flippantly said that there's so much that's so interesting and and excessive about their off-screen lives but part of that was also them pring their own reputations and it's how they became these mir- these totems onto which everyone the audience would project stuff onto you know like valentina was known as the great lover why because he wasn't American, <laughs> literally. That was it. He was exoticized, like he was fetishized. It's like, oh, he's Italian, so he must fuck good. <laughs> like, it's it's kind of really basic when you break it down into contemporary terms, but the levels and the the excessiveness, the kind of the adulation and the language that surrounded these these film stars was so over the top and delicious. It's so ripe for American Horror Story. Yeah, because I'm guessing, like, I'm trying to think of the transition period between the invention of film, like, who we, who people had before. <laughs> I guess literal royalty. You know, in terms of, of, of like, the, yeah, the concept of celebrity. You know, I, I think the kind of people that general public the general public were obsessing over pre-film i mean some theater stars maybe but i would think largely royalty i think royalty theater stars theater singers opera singers so people of the stage basically yeah which even then there's like even then there's still like there's an even greater amount of mystique around that because you you know if you're lucky you get to see them exactly. yeah, <laughs> for an if- hour on stage like miles back in the the 30th row and you see this tiny figure and i think i'm just thinking about the sort of the space for mystery that's created that we just don't have anymore because mm-hmm. we're so you know now rudolph valentino would have had an instagram and a tiktok and <laughs> absolutely no mystique to him because um there's just no room for that like i think the celebrities at this time just had ultimate mm. freedom in becoming or no i mean i'm giving them too much personal agency mm-hmm. <laughs> the people who were in charge of building their personality had uh oh it's sort of unlimited freedom is just creating whatever character they liked <laughs> yeah and and the fact that there's a moment in this episode when you know uh, when morneau and valentino talk about the death of the gods um because of the talkies which seems like such an old-fashioned thing now but the fact that they you know there was a there was a whole generation of actors and actresses who were essentially put out of work because their voice wasn't up to scratch to what the talkies needed to be in that transition from silent to sound so there was a big fear around that but the other thing has more to do with this 
with this mysticism around stardom, right? Because once they could talk, you could no longer project as much onto them. You couldn't imagine Valentino whispering sweet nothings in your ear in a perfectly accented English if you heard him speak for real in his real voice. So the 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 image of the god would be shattered. They would become kind of much more human. And and it just would not pan out, which sounds very kind of um very silly in a way, but that's the way you know, it is kind of a an alchemy, the way that some people become stars and then they disappear and they work in one situation and and then they kind of flicker out um or fade out or completely uh, become train wrecks on the screen. Like it is very, very fleeting. And this idea that runs through the whole episode of just preserving those screen gods i find very romantic Mm, yeah and you know of course all covered in a little movie called singing in the rain (laughs) (laughs) yes between silent and sound and how difficult it was for people who had unattractive voices (laughs) exactly i Uh sympathize (laughs) I I get it. I get it, Rudy. I get it. So let's get proper. Let's talk about not the reveal, but let's talk about how they show us Rudy Valentino and his relationship with the Countess. Well, it's because first we see, like, you see these sort of zombified, they, you know, they kind of make up the makeup is made to look more like zombies Mm -hmm. (laughs) coming out of the blocked up hallway, (laughs) just numbing on some people uh, to to get their their fill. Very thirsty, extremely thirsty. And I love that it just then hard cuts. This is the thing is though, this is the thing about the reveals that it's so casual. Mm Mm-hmm. It's so casual, like, unless I love the audacity of it, it just hard cuts, and there's Rudolph Valentino. Yeah. And you're like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> it's you, and it kind of takes a couple of scenes of the show for you to, like, for it to really click in that, oh my god, oh my god, he's a vampire. <laughs> well, I, I, actually, I actually quite like the way that it does it, because, like, for us, you're like, holy shit, it's a son of Sheik. Holy shit, it's Valentino. But for people who didn't know who Valentino is, like, very instantly, you're like, you know, oh, he's a movie star, he's real hot, he's famous. Oh, it's Finn again? Okay. Yes. Uh, Which, I guess we should point, because this is why she had such a weird thing with Tristan. Mm -hmm. Because, same face. (laughs) Quite, Quite literally the same face. Also, our boy Finn... First time, his first time playing two roles in the same season. Go, you know, going in the same tradition as the great Sarah Paulson. Yes, it is an honor in American Horror Story when you we get you get to finally play two roles in one season. It is. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we also meet uh, for the first time a very human countess whose name is revealed to be Elizabeth Johnson. Yes, and I just want to say, anybody who was surprised by A Star Is Born had clearly not seen this episode, because this is just the same trajectory. 
in her performance, you you, you can tell she starts off doing the same. It's like it's the same performance <laughs> of her being like, "Oh gosh, well I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I'm just a normal gal, just standing here being so normal." And then she gets picked out of the crowd by a handsome, mysterious man. <laughs> by a handsome, mysterious, powerful Hollywood man. Yeah. And then by the end of the episode, she's like, boom, like wiggling her hips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Power strutted down the hallway. Like, it's the same thing. <laughs> it's the same as, as Star is Born, but they're vampires in this. <laughs> I fucking love it. I love it because she, especially the way that, so Valentina, as I mentioned before, was known as kind of the great lover, um, the great seducer. And the way that he just sends her a little note that just says, dine with me tonight. And she's like, yes. Yeah. (laughs) And just signed like Valentino. Not even Rudy or Rudolph, nothing. It's just Valentino. (sighs) I know. I know. I know. Then he turns up, she turns up, and he's wearing that little smoking jacket. <laughs> oh, he's got such big Bella Lugosi vibes in this in this episode. I love it. <laughs> I do. I love the accent because it is like, is this Italian or is this Transylvanian? I can't quite tell. <laughs> it's kind of both. It's kind, I think it's kind of both. But it why like it works so perfectly for the character and for what is trying to be achieved in in these scenes which is just like yeah and they have dinner and she's so earnest i mean she's also i think in this scene doing a little bit of you know early patrizia from house of gucci because she's like pops from sicily he's a plumber yeah (laughs) It's like, of course, the character's Italian. Of course. <laughs> it's probably her one demand when she signed on. It's like, yes, I'll do it, but please, she's gotta, she's gotta be of Italian descent. Otherwise, I don't. I'm not gonna be able to connect. So, please. <laughs> and oh, God, so they, so she. So she ends I up. I can tell a- you like struggling to form sentences. I really like, am. We are both struggling to form sentences (laughs) because of how much we love this episode. It's hard to express. So then, twist. Valentino's wife, who was his real-life wife at this point, Natasha Rambova, comes down the stairs. She's played by Alexander Daddario. And it's not just a dinner and 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 a night with Valentino. It's now a throuple situation. And they spend the entire night tangoing. And then we're told later on the entire summer frolicking together in secret. <laughs> Good use of the word frolicking. Thanks very much, friend. <laughs> I'm like, I'm in my 1920s vibes today. <laughs> and I love what I find just mm, chef's kiss is the way that they always call her. Well, he calls her little, <laughs> little one. Mouse. And she, yeah, always says little mouse. And the, and because when they tango, like, she's very tall. He's yeah. quite tall. She's teeny tiny. And it's like a little, like, hotness sandwich. Wait, Finn is not tall. Finn is not tall. Is he not tall? Okay. No. Lady Gaga's tiny. She's quite petite. Finn is like five, five foot eight. 
Uh, yeah, I mean that's I I don't know what how tall heights are. I think that's <laughs> that's like, how tall I am, and I feel so, tall. So <laughs> yeah, it's tall. It's it's tall for a girl. So I'm five foot nine. That's one seventy five. Okay, I think I looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> how tall is Alexandra Desario? She looks very tall. Yeah, that, she does look. Episode. She is real tall. Oh, so she oh she's my height. Okay. She's like two centimeters shorter than me. I just really enjoy the height differences. Yes. And the just the little, because she's so small in the little sandwich. <laughs> it's like a little small. It's yes. like a small of attractive people. Yes. And just really enjoy it. <laughs> in, in a flapper garb. Yes. So they disappear for some reason, which we'll find out later. And let's come back to that later. And Lady Gaga, the Countess, marries Frederick March. And they meet on the night that Valentino dies. And she tries to throw herself out the window because she cannot imagine, as many women did at the time, living in a world where Valentino wasn't alive. Yeah, but I I feel like she had... (laughs) She had more reason. She had more reason. Yeah. Because There's more logic to that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But at the same time, I just love the idea that, I mean, I don't love the idea, but I'm intrigued by this reaction that, oh my god, I need to not, I need to unalive myself because now the possibility of me fucking Valentino has been erased forever. <laughs> I didn't really think of it that way. <laughs> That's the only way that I ever thought about. <laughs> Me if Pedro Pascal dies, like, you know. <laughs> That's all I had going, so I don't know what to do now. <laughs> so, um, oh. we get. What do you think of the little, the little, um, a happy couple montage that we get of? March and the Countess. To the tune of the <laughs> cure, by the way. To the tune of the cure. Like, this woman... She's not living the dream. She's not living my dream. But she's living... A dream. She's living some kind of life that I feel like would be interesting to be in. <laughs> and for that, I envy her. Because she goes from vampire thruple to <laughs> the wife of the hot murderer <laughs> who strides in while he's sawing somebody up and says, look, I only disapprove because next time kill someone with money or jewels, then I can profit too. I only disapprove because whispers, I'm not getting anything out of it. And she's like, let me watch next time. Oh my god. Like she... The face on Evan <laughs> Peters, the, like Evan Peters' face in that moment is gold. Gold. It's like no one told him what she was going to say. <laughs> what I find really funny about this episode is that James Patrick March, like throughout the season, has been, you know, quite a terrifying uh, figure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when he. When whenever he's in a scene with the Countess with Lady Gaga, he is like a little puppy. <laughs> and it's like the face when he gets caught for, by her for the first time is like, oh, 
oh no like there's nothing there's nothing murdery or psychopathic about his facial expressions when he's around her which yeah. i really enjoy and i think there is a deeper level to that like there i think there is an element where the countess is the one thing that humanizes him you know not to to much extent mm -hmm. <laughs> but the little flicker of humanity that he has i think awakens whenever like that's his attraction to this woman is that she has uh, he sees that darkness in her and he feels like a connection of like oh like other humans can be this way you know in the last episode which was the one with a beautiful um scene with liz taylor and tristan you had this whole marvelous point about how they love each other because they see each other the way they don't want to be seen mm. let me apply that to this disaster of a fucking marriage <laughs> where, <laughs> where, where james patrick watch is like oh i feel seen by this woman who sees me sawing through a, a destitute man's like cadaver and still kind of still wants to fuck me okay oh <laughs> good for me <laughs> he just looks so happy and like you kind of gotta happy. be happy for him for gotta a moment be, gotta be happy for the murderer yes shall we shall we discuss i think you know correct me if i'm wrong clarice but is this our favorite scene of the entire episode yes <laughs> when uh the countess is still mourning valentino her former lover and Rambova and she is at their tomb and suddenly oh my god but of course they appear looking amazing as ever especially in that leather trench coat jacket that oh he's wearing god. turns out they're vampires cue montage in silent film style and uh, it's like you started off already quite audacious <laughs> and the way this episode just doubles down on itself and says not only is Rudolf Valentino a vampire but the person that turned him <laughs> was FW Murno <laughs> and he went into the Carpathian Mountains while researching Nosferatu and had a little orgy with all the little vampires up there and now he's a vampire too and, and he loves the movie so much <laughs> and he's predicting the advent of talkies and I'm paraphrasing here streaming services too and he wants to preserve <laughs> <laughs> he wants to preserve Valentino's beauty because he is too pretty to talk Okay, now you're implying that, like, somebody in the past five years went up to Angelina Jolie and was like, I've seen the future, everything's going to Disney+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to be a model, Miss Jolie? And I love this. Yes. yes. I think, so. yes. Absolutely. That's exactly what Because, you know, I'm she's the one who's definitely a vampire. No woman should be that. No woman can be that beautiful, and it's just happened, naturally. Yeah, her and, <laughs> her and Charlize Theron. <laughs> yeah. Mm -mm. Something vampire is happening there. <laughs> Those women are suspiciously beautiful. So, Valentino gets turned into a vampire on the press tour. 
For the son of Sheikh. Yes. In a little train. It's very cute. I mean, I just love that image of the press tour. And I know this happened. Like, that's how they worked. But it, the fact that it was like this massive event, you know, they're surrounded by photographers. I was like, oh, I'm going to wave. I've got a special old train that's just the, the chic train. I'm going from <laughs> town to town presenting my film. I fucking love it. I mean, obviously, this I continues wish to happen. they do that. They still do that. But they that don't as... put people on a little train, though. <laughs> yeah, that's what they don't do. Like, they, you know, people do Q&As and do press tours all the time, but they're just not as, you know, pretty. I want, like, the little train. It's the Dune train. <laughs> <laughs> Timothy Chalamet, Sh- he's just living on that train for three weeks. <laughs> Just choo chewing around the country, <laughs> stopping to, uh, uh, Midwestern town, saying, "Hi, <laughs> I'm in Dune. Do you watch Dune when it comes out?" And then the train just choo-choos away. I love this. <laughs> also, I love the fact that they keep dragging Morneau into vampire stories. Morneau, the director of Nosferatu, obviously Nosferatu is a game-changing film for filmmaking in general and for vampire cinema in particular. But like, they keep... like it, It's a film that's so fucking good. 100 years on. It's the end of our, It's a centenary this year, by the way. And they, oh, wow. Yeah, so it's 100 years old. And oh, it's a film yeah. so yeah. good and still so creepy that people, even now, <laughs> are still convinced that there might be some real vampire business going on. <laughs> Well, I don't think it helps that the skull's bitting. (laughs) (laughs) If I was F.W. Monod and I didn't want people to think I was a vampire, I would have not let my skull have been stolen. Because that's pretty sus. How do you protect your skull? (laughs) I don't know. I'm just saying. I don't see other people's skulls being stolen. Oh, it just happens to be... F.W. Munoz, mm-hmm. who is, that's definitely his body, and it's not, you know, maybe somebody else's put in that grave, and the skull just happens to go missing, because that would be one of the most, you know, the identifying factor. Mm. I mean, that's a sure. more known skull, is definitely a, a vampire novel waiting to be written. Yeah, do you know who I think has F.W. Munoz's skull? F.W. Munoz. <laughs> Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. conspiracy theory i'm into it i'm into it so what do you i mean so valentino and rimboba want to continue the throupling with with their little mouse and she's like yep fine fuck march i'm leaving don't care absolutely no questions asked and they arrange to meet at a train station, but alas, March finds out and yeah. kidnaps Valentina Rambova. And the little mouse is sad. Yeah, because he was literally just standing there while they were fucking in front of Rudolph Valentino's own grave. Yeah. <laughs> also, also, I mean, a great move. <laughs> Especially on Valentino's part, if he didn't want anyone finding out that he was actually alive. Yes. <laughs> I 
be, I guess, um, I don't know if that's the best way to throw people <laughs> off the track. Um, I would say the best way would be to not go anywhere near it. I mean, I was joking. That is absolutely not the best way. Like, this FW Monroe skull thing has really got me thinking about how I would cover my my own vampire-ness. How would you do it? <laughs> well, I'd have to, because you'd have to die. But then, who's the... Uh, I probably would steal my own skull. I think that's a pretty... It's a pretty strong way to do it. Keep or the dog. teeth. At least take the teeth, because the teeth are often the one of the big identifying factors. So just take the teeth and put them in my pocket, and then be like, I'm dead. <laughs> um. So, before we go into our categories, what else should we discuss about this episode that we haven't gushed about already? Um, well, there's a lot of quotes that I want to cover, <laughs> but you know what I will say? I hadn't watched this episode. I've watched it many times, but I haven't watched it since COVID started. Okay. <laughs> and now those scenes in which Rudolph and Natasha are trapped in a hallway, mm-hmm. <laughs> which it's like a hallway and they have one hotel room. Mm-hmm. And that's what they've had for uh, several decades. Mm-hmm. Hits a little bit harder at home now. <laughs> We're all trapped vampires. Yeah. And they no, don't like, even oh. have Netflix. Don't even have Netflix. Mm. They definitely had a lot of sex, though. Because <laughs> you know there's nothing, I was nothing else to do. <laughs> they definitely did, but at some point, it must have been like, I am so fucking sick of you, and we both look so ugly. Because they're vain. Yeah, that's true. Um, but it's, I feel like it's the only thing to do. There's not even a book in there. The thing that I love the most about this episode, and I think these are my favorite things about American Horror Story and the Ryan Murphy Extended Universe in general, is that I know this is not written by him, but, you know, there is... I love the rewriting of Hollywood history for fun because it is it is fun anyway. It's all myth-making. It's all gossip for the most part. I'm so much more interested in the legends around these, you know, these people who were making something literally new. Like, this was a brand new industry. This was like the startup business. But, you know, at the turn of the century... They, they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. They were making up rules. And then those rules became um, the pillars of an industry that continues going and kind of transforming. When you add the actual like fantasy elements, the horror elements, to the already fantastical myth-making of Hollywood and stardom, there is, there is so much joy in there, even, even if it gets completely wild, even if it's not historically accurate, that I don't give a shit about that, because you're dealing with the images, and not with the real people. And and I think this is one of my favorite takes on that. I Like, this standalone episode, you can just take this episode and throw away the rest of the series, and I would watch this as a movie. 
because because I think the figure of the vampire and the figure of the Hollywood star, the movie star, especially in this era, just have so much in common in how much we project onto them, into how much they write their own myths, into how much they're intertwined with sex and desire. It's just it's just fucking catnip for me. I just love this. I love this episode <laughs> so much because of that. I agree. And it's interesting that we had all this news recently about um, biopics being made about both Fred Astaire and... Well, I think the Gene Kelly one is not a biopic, but it will feature Gene Kelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and knowing that both those individuals did not want <laughs> movies about them being made... Mm-hmm. But I cannot help but watch this episode and think, Rudolph Valentino would have loved this, right? I can't. There's I, no way he he wouldn't have thought, this is cool. <laughs> I think, and we might get to this in our categories, I think he would have loved this more than the several biopics made about him. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because I think the... As you said, I, I think there's something a, a lot healthier. There's more ground for imagination, more ground for actually exploring who these people were as symbols by just going, okay, we're not by actively detaching yourself from real history. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no one's going to walk away from this episode thinking that this is an accurate portrayal of who Rudolph Valentino was because, uh, you know, by, yeah, as you said, you get such a great sense of of what his how his image serves society and why people were so fascinated with him, which is the most interesting part, you know, so much more than any individual biographical detail about mm-hmm. his life. Like that's what was fascinating about him. Very well put. So shall we move on to our categories? Yes. Okay, so you mentioned you have a lot of quotes you want to get through. What's your top quote? You get as many as you want in this one. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Maybe my favorite is when Rudolph Valentino is talking about George Fisk, his stunt double being the body in the crypt. That's my favorite! And he says... To be clear, I did most of my own stunts. Yes! Right, <laughs> <laughs> right. Even in immortality, faking your own death. Still gotta be an arrogant little... Okay. <laughs> I love that. That's my favorite line. Oh, I'm sorry I stole it. I'm no, no, sorry. No, no, no. Followed very closely by... Um... <laughs> Followed very closely by um oh my god, wait, 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 I need to find it. Um <laughs> the at the beginning of the episode, um Iris is just going on this little side rant about anal bleaching. And she's yes. like it's like she's talking to herself. She's like, How would somebody even know their anus needs bleaching? I could have picked my butthole out of a lineup. <laughs> She just drops it and nobody reacts. And it's one of those lines where you're like, Kathy Bates really said that. Oscar award winning actress Kathy Bates 
just said I couldn't pick my butthole out of a lineup, and you're like, oh, we're just supposed to forget about that. I think what's great about this episode is that it's less that the lines are, like, you know, standout lines, but there's so, so many standout performance mm-hmm. bits. It's the way that she delivers that, the way that Finn delivers some of the Rudolph Valentino lines. Like, I love when he says, I do better without words. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I love when James Patrick March, when he catches her at the window, and he goes, no. When she says, let me go, let me go. And she says, no, I don't suppose I will. Oh, that's gorgeous. <laughs> and then when when uh, Valentino also, when the Countess is saying, I think the flickers are the future. Oh no, when she's like, a true American art form. And he's like, you are the true American art form. No. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> okay, let's go fuck. Let's go. <laughs> the way that, like, if that would happen to me, I wouldn't be like, okay, let's go. <laughs> or the way that he just says, when he opens the door, believe Sima. I'm like, yep. I don't need anything else. We're, we're we good. We do not need to be having this dinner right now. I am already convinced. <laughs> it took you about 20 seconds to do that. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And also, you know, to be... Um, I, I didn't really think Alexander Daddario was that interesting as Rambova, but I do love the line when she just sort of grabs tiny Lady Gaga to tango together. She's like, gods have appetites. I'm like, ooh! Okay! (laughs) (laughs) Bitch! Yes. (laughs) Um, What about the best fit of the episode? Again, very hard because there's so many good outfits. I you only see it very I wish they had more of a full shot of it, but her wedding gown seemed very beautiful mm. with the extremely long veil and I think it's like a button up it's like a button up situation at the neck. Oh yeah, she loves that. I she also wears something similar at the very start of the episode when she's wearing that sort of um deep red like like with a big brooch on her neck as well and like the vampire milkmaid braids yes (laughs) (laughs) she looks like a she looks like a a a richer Morticia Adams yes Um, in Switzerland (laughs) but I'm gonna have to go with Rudy Valentina's post vampire look the one where he has the the buckled leather jacket. Yes. He looks amazing in that. I would say not, not a great choice if you want to be blending in, but it looks great. I mean, his entire face is not a great choice if he wants to be blending in. <laughs> yeah. You can't blend in with that beautiful face. It's just not going to happen. Even just whack on a pair of sunglasses. It's just <laughs> something. <laughs> <laughs> because anybody walking by at that point would have been, oh, that's Rudolph Valentino. He's yeah. not dead and looking extremely attractive. <laughs> what do I do with this information? <laughs> um, it's going to be hard to pick, but the Boma Bono Award for horniest moment of the bo- for horniest moment of the episode with respect to Matt Bomer, who is not featured in this episode. For me, absolutely 
threesome in front of your own grave is <laughs> like I don't know. That's like some other plane of ego. <laughs> I mean, the bar, the bar is very high, and you know, kind of disrespectful to George Fisk. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it's the fantasy that it's his own body in there, right? Yeah. Um, I have to say the the tango when yes. they're still human, when they're still sort of you know surrounding the countess. It's very, it's a big power play in that scene. It's it's just you know a horny sandwich, as he said. Very horny sandwich. Okay. I think this is the this is gonna be the chunkiest part of the categories. <laughs> There's a lot of them. Um what are the insensitive historical Hollywood references in this episode? Um can I put forward the entire episode? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's appropriate, considering considering. Yeah, I think this is the thing. I was trying to put together notes for this and I I did not know where to start because it's <laughs> it's everybody. Everybody's here. It's Valentino, Natasha Rambova. They name drop Paula Negri, FW Renault. <laughs> it's um, it like this is really the mealiest meal of all the of all the uses of real Hollywood history and all of American horror story. I mean, this is the the Thanksgiving dinner of it, it all. <laughs> <laughs> it really, really is. And, you know, I guess maybe it's helpful if we just explain a little bit, because we've been, we've been fangirling over Valentino and stuff, but we haven't really talked about who he was and why he was such a big star. Yeah, well, I guess it's the, what we kind of touched on before is, is the, it was like that period's version of exoticism, which mm -hmm. of course was heavily whitewashed. And so, as you mentioned, the young sheik, I mean, he'd be playing these. <laughs> the son of the sheik. Um, oh, yeah, son of the sheik, sorry. Uh, as, as we mentioned, um, you know, previously, like the son of the sheik, he'd be playing these, like, yeah, highly ex exoticized role with like you know the streak of like dangerous seduction it's like it's it's you know if looking at it from a modern lens not not great very weird but i think you know it was extremely effective hmm. and i think the way that his image was very carefully um so yeah tweaked and presented as we said, yeah, just created this sort of overwhelming sense of 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 mystery that people just were completely and utterly seduced by to the point that when he died unexpectedly, you know, women were driven to madness over it. And you know, there have been stories about, you know, the hysterics at his funeral of Paul and Negri like fainting very dramatically <laughs> <laughs> because it was like as if the, the planet had lost their, you know, like their lover. It was like the greatest lover of, of mm. the entire period had died. And it's like all seduction of romance had died with him, I guess. Yeah. I think he, he was one of the first 
Hollywood images, the Hollywood screen gods to really embody desire. Because I think, you know, there's, there's love, there's romantic leads, and then there's desire. So he was the great lover. That's what he was what he was called and he died so young and so kind of semi-mysteriously kind of suddenly um died um kind of after surgery that he was at his peak you know like they mentioned in the episode he was preserved although technically he was already kind of flailing in his career so the son of the sheik was gonna be his comeback film and it made a lot of money at the time and and obviously it was kind of released um not posthumously, but he he died the same year that it was that it was released. So that obviously always unfortunately helps the box office of a film. But it was um there was something as well about kind of Valentino being fetishized as a Latin lover. He was Italian, but also how his identity as a film star transformed in his career in Hollywood, you know, even down to his name, it started very, very Italian and then kind of sort of softened the edges as he became a bigger star. Mm. And- like his real name was Rodolfo Alfonso Raffaello <laughs> Pierfilberto Guglielmi di Valentina de Antoguella. Yeah, I mean, they didn't which, put all of that on the billboards. He, he just said it. I would say, <laughs> even if we were not trying to de Italianize him, I would say maybe chop off a few of those names. <laughs> <laughs> he started off as Rodolfo di Valentina, and then he became Rodolfo Valentino, and then he became Rudolf Valentino, and then eventually Rudy Valentino as he was known but i don't know there's and and rambova she well we don't know whether they he became a vampire she didn't she lived for another 40 years um she she was a set designer she was an art director she did stuff around filmmaking that wasn't just acting um and they had divorced by the time he died and he was engaged to Paula negri at the time That's yeah the he was with Paula negri because then, mm. then she was at the funeral, like yes. causing a big fuss. <laughs> I was. I think what's interesting is to to sort of place them in a a modern equivalent or a modern lens. Is um, you know, lots of people on TikTok talk about like <laughs> men who seem they like they're written for women, like mm-hmm. men who seem they've been created for the female gaze. I think Rudolf Valentino was like that. He was that I know um a lot of men are like male journalists or male writers were a little bit like about Valentino. Yes. Uh and, and male stars him, as well. Yeah, and thought him too feminine, a bit like oh, mm-hmm. but you know, it was the it was women who were like he was kind of created for for women <laughs> and to be uh gazed at by women. And it's very I guess is is He's such an interesting entry in when we talk about male stardom and how that shifted. And the idea of like, yeah, who are these stars being created for? What kind of audience? Mm-hmm. It was women. Yes. Women who wanted to fuck Valentino. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
but I think I think I think you're very right. I think there's one of those there's one of those things that is constantly underestimated in Hollywood stardom and filmmaking is that like these these type of stars. And again, it's very it's very amorphous and it's kind of diff- it's difficult to talk about it without sounding like it's something very specific to you as opposed to a thing that can be expressed through a performance or even a persona and then monetized and then replicated. But it can. Like, the history of Hollywood and the history of celebrity shows us that it can. Like, what Valentina was doing, whether knowingly or unknowingly, is kind of be an invitation for women to want him. It wasn't, you know, he was a very, you know, by all accounts and in his performances, like, very um, macho and, like, very alpha male-ish but in a different way and perhaps because he was an italian in hollywood at the turn of the century perhaps or other reasons but everything about him was an invitation for women to look at him and to want him and that joke that i did earlier like i don't think that's necessarily too far from the truth it's like that thing that some male actors do I think that penetrated so deeply in the in the female audience at that time that they were like, oh my god, uh, that possibility is gone now that he's gone. And I kind of live without that possibility being there. The possibility of being with him because everything in his performances and his sort of persona kind of was an open invitation. It's like, you could be my next um, Rambova. And I think it it makes okay. You know how everybody <laughs> is so obsessed with that scene in the Joe Wright Pride and Prejudice with the hand flex that Mister Darcy does when he touches Elizabeth's yes. hand and then walking away. And you know how people absolutely hyperfixate over that. Yes, I think there's like an equivalent here with Rudolph Valentino about the way that Hollywood, um, it like. And I think general, like, society in, in general, like, so narrows the definition of masculinity and, like, mm-hmm. what is sexually attractive and who is being sexually attractive for who that, like, when, you know, it seems a little bit maybe exaggerated or silly to our minds that women would be so devastated by the death of Rudolph Valentino. But then I think, God, the amount of TikToks I've watched about that fucking hand flex in Pride and Prejudice, like, like clearly there is a fixation because I think there is such a lack of it in other spaces mm-hmm. that that when people do see like certain iterations of masculinity that have, I guess, that softer, more romantic edge to them, people just like go insane over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my explanation of how Rudolph Valentino functioned, is that he was the the Pride and Prejudice hand flex of the 1920s. <laughs> or the low-key hair flip on his yes. knees. Yes, that's the, that, other, yeah. that's the other thing that TikTok women hyperfixate over and just do. I've seen so many fucking slow motions of that low-key hair flip, or of every... every time tom hiddleston looks into a camera they're like oh my god this is the moment this is the moment that won't let me sleep (laughs) but it's so true i think what tom hiddleston is good at is that he you know he doesn't play into certain ideas of masculinity he has i think his more distinct version of it which is like librarian but you know that's the thing like i think like culturally we're so starved for certain 
sort of iterations of like that, like softer, more genteel masculinity that it's like, ah! Stay <laughs> oh tuned my God. for our spinoff podcast, Soft Men. <laughs> soft Men. <laughs> Which, yeah, I mean, I don't know how like Soft Antuna was, but I think he was like, there was some sort of like, there was some lack that I think he was making up for. Mm hmm. And I think, uh, you know, not to harp on about my, about my big himbo king, Brendan Fraser, but I think that's also the reason why I loved him so much. He had a, a softer edge to him as a, as a screen star that was so, so appealing and so uninterested in being the dominating force on the screen and in the story. Yeah, somebody do that Wildest Dreams Taylor Swift, like, trend where the camera's like zooming in on Rudolph Valentino and then zoom it on on the woman's face being like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) I think you should uh, pivot to making highly niche silent film star era TikTok trends (laughs) I would love to see that that. just that that. just do Rudolph Valentino memes I've been seeing a lot on TikTok of uh, a lot of women be like oh my god you guys I have just discovered celebrities who you did not know were hot and it's like Marlon Bradner was like bitch that was his main thing what do you mean you didn't know Marlon Bradner was hot what the hell I don't understand how anybody could know could not know that Marlon Bradner was hot Okay. It's like facts about Marlon Brando. Number one, crazy hot. Number two, big into method acting. <laughs> That's it. Yes. Number three, that that throplet that he had with it was Eartha Kitt and James Dean, right? Was that was yes. the throplet? Mm. Number four, <laughs> he Can we have American Horror <laughs> Story about that, please? <laughs> <laughs> I would I would like to see that please <laughs> i mean that would i mean that would be an american love story yeah well Co- just make them vampires and then it's it's fine cody fern <laughs> playing james dean how about that oh my god yes, yes. <gasps> who would play who would play eartha kid i don't know it's hard because nobody looks like eartha kid no nobody does look like eartha like kid. she really was the human version of she was Catwoman. She was she the was Catwoman. Catwoman. Oh my god, Zoe. The new Catwoman. Yes. 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 That would make sense. The modern Catwoman should play Arthur Kit. Who would play Marlon Brando? <gasps> no. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Channing Tatum and then I changed my mind. No. It's no, hard because it's not a lot of modern stars have the same energy as these people. No. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. I was. He doesn't look anything like him except for the broad shoulders, but he has the same intense actor energy. Jake yeah, just need the vibe. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah, it doesn't look like him, but has the vibe. Ryan, if you're listening, ooh, we pitched. Oh, I Sorry. thought you. I thought you were gonna say Ryan Gosling, and I was like, huh. Oh no, <laughs> Ryan. Go- I mean Ryan Gosling. If you're listening, hi. I don't know. <laughs> Don't know what you're doing here. But, Let's uh, uh, make another Dead Man Shoes album, please. Oh yes, please do that. Yeah, and and a Haunted Mansion movie with Guillermo del Toro. But Ryan Murphy, if you're listening, this is our official pitch. 
continuation of American Horror Story Hotel, new vampire thruplet. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we move on to insensitive historical reference of the week? Yes. Yes. Well, it's hard because everything is (laughs) uh, Hollywood, is a Hollywood reference. I've sectioned off uh, this lady in black thing. Starting to disappoint, it was not Lady Gaga (laughs) who was doing it, but there was a woman who would turn up regularly and and lay a single rose at the grave of Rudolph Valentino, and there were... Just uh, there were a lot of rumors about who this woman was. I think some people did think it was Paula Negri. Uh, I feel like she probably had better things to do. <laughs> some people thought it was his first wife, uh, Jean Aker. Uh, but I think people do seem to have collectively come to the consensus that the lady in black was actually a woman called Dietra Flamme, mm-hmm. who uh she i think she would she she would come every august 23rd to lay the roads and dressed in black and looking very mysterious not a ghost a real woman and the reason that people think it was this uh dietra flamme woman is because she was very very ill when she was 14 and she was in hospital and valentino came to visit her several times as a favor to the her mother and during one visit, he placed a red rose in the girl's hand and told her, uh, you're not going to die at all. <laughs> I'm trying to do the accent because you've got to imagine he's, he's Italian. <laughs> I mean, I'm You're going story. to live for many, many more years. But one thing's for sure. If I die before you do, please come and stay by me because I don't want to be alone. Uh, Good job, friend. Valentina also reportedly told Deidre that she he had no desire to grow old. I don't want to lose my hair. I have no teeth. I want to be able to remember the way I am. Look, again, this is not <laughs> good evidence against him being a vampire. <laughs> I'm just going to say, if you don't want people to think that you're not a vampire, don't say, I don't want to lose my hair. I have no teeth. I want to be remembered the way I am. Because... <laughs> gigantic vampire <laughs> vibes so Dietra, vampire red flag. Yeah. <laughs> Dietra did eventually recover from her illness but uh obviously valentino died unexpectedly and she went to his final resting place every august 23rd for three decades uh so i think so to say she she stopped going in the later years because there were dozens of wannabes wearing black were swarming Valentino's crypt on the anniversary of his death. Uh, and sometimes it looked like a lady in black convention. <laughs> I so would go she, to that convention! <laughs> so she decided to mourn him privately. And she died in 1984 in her home, chock full of Valentino memorabilia. I mean, not a hundred percent confirmed that it was her, but people do think that story makes sense, and that's it. Probably was her. It makes sense in uh, the story, and I always yeah. err on the side of the story. Also, shame on those other fake lady of blacks. Come the on, fake fans. <laughs> Get an original gig. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <sighs> 
Um, what about Gaga's applause moment? Oh, for me, absolutely when she hears of Valentino's death and she looks into the middle distance. <laughs> just like, oh, and the, the look on her face is so noble. <laughs> it's beautiful. I think for me, it's the moment when she walks into March, uh, cutting into a corpse. And he is so like, oop. Oop, I got caught. Oh no. And she's like, she just closes the door very quietly. And like her voice turns into the Countess's voice as opposed to kind of Elizabeth Johnson's more high pitched voice. She's like, who is that? I love it. I would love to just change my voice one day. (laughs) I mean, you know, you can do things to your voice. You do things to your voice all the time. You've done it like five minutes ago. No, but you know, like, I, what if I, you can't, I feel, again, this is a thing with modern day, with the, you can't just have a mysterious makeover and come back a different person. Yeah, that's It's quite true. hard to do. Yeah. I feel like it would have been a lot easier to do in the 1920s. <laughs> just go away for a week, come back, hello, I'm this person now. Give yourself an exotic name. That sounds yeah, Russian. Yeah, <laughs> which is <laughs> what I thought was, you know, yeah, these Natasha Rombovas, uh, like, her real name was Winifred. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were all American. Well, Polonegra yeah. is Polish. And I love all these vamp girls who just, yeah, were these, like, you know, a lot of them real rosy Midwestern, like, hi! <laughs> and then they have a little makeover and they come back and they're goth queens like with their like black flapper dresses going hello it's me now (laughs) like you just can't you can't do that anymore i think the last person who did it was lana del rey and now you can't do it anymore (laughs) and then she fucked it up as well (laughs) and she fucked out for everybody else (laughs) and who do you think is the mvp of the episode Rudolf Valentino. <laughs> Not even any question. Nope. Sorry especially because all others. Especially because at the end of the episode they walk out. No questions asked. Yeah. <laughs> They're free. They've secured new outfits for somewhere. From some from somewhere. I don't know who. I don't think those hillbillies that they murdered had that that level of like chic outfits. Oh no, sorry. They, they were Australian strippers. <laughs> My apologies to the Australian <laughs> strippers. <laughs> because I loved that they, of course, turned up all dressed like Crocodile Dundee because that is the only way an Australian stripper could dress. <laughs> we haven't even mentioned the fact that um, Marcy the realtor is back and gets killed. <sighs> but also announces the very sad death of oh, Hallie, the dog the from dog. Murder House. <laughs> unnecessary i think we've wrapped up everything about this episode is there anything about Flickr that we haven't mentioned um just a shout out to finn Whitrock. good job well done finn <laughs> finn should play valentino and then you buy a pig no questions asked yes i want a new biopic yes. of valentino we've had a few already and they're all very strange but I think this is this is probably the, my favorite one. 
my favorite take of the Valentino story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make this book feature length, please. <laughs> so what can we expect from the next episode? In the next episode, we find out who the Ten Commandments killer is. If you have not already guessed. <laughs> and we care very deeply about who it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not Rudolph Valentino, so oh, I, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be back next Wednesday with a recap of American Horror Story Hotel. In the meantime, send us your thoughts on who could play Valentino in a biopic on Twitter. That's not Finn Whitrock because I know he is the obvious answer. But like, if there's anybody else that you're thinking of, <laughs> or flip side, other historical figures that Finn Whitrock could play Ooh. in biopics to finally get his Oscar best ass best but best ass. Oh my did god! You just say his wow, Oscar <laughs> <laughs> that was a Freudian slip in hair. <laughs> I'm sorry it's early. I'm sorry it's early. <laughs> um to get to become He does have a great ass. America's ass. He he's America's ass. I don't know about this Chris Evans guy. Um but to win his best best <laughs> I can't say it. To win his best actor Oscar <laughs> What real life historical alive or dead figure should he play in a movie? <laughs> I, it was, I was trying to say something respectful and it came out real disrespectful, so I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to make it even more disrespectful because <laughs> as we were talking, I was like, oh, Gene Kelly, another great ass of America. That would be good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah great. Gene Kelly had a fantastic ass. Uh, <laughs> Tremendous. <laughs> I've read a whole essay us. about his ass. Oh my god. No. <laughs> I did it. It's published okay. in a book. <laughs> oh my god. So, what you, we want you to tweet at us. Who would play Valentino in a biopic? What person should Finn Wittrock play? See, uh, in classical Hollywood, who had the best ass? Was it Gene Kelly? Please tweet at us. Uh, and you can do that at the next Supremes pod. And you can also find me on Twitter at Clarice Lou. And I am tweeting about it as I said, Demented. <laughs> oh, I'm going straight to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already in hell, I don't care. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Finn went rogue, I'm sorry. <laughs> didn't... We're appreciating respectfully. We can appreciate people on multiple levels. You know? The full package. Listen, it takes a lot of work to have an ass that good. It takes a lot of work. Yes. I respect it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, God.
gonna fucking tear you apart.